This is Dr. Benny Tate, and you're listening to the Leeds Club Podcast, all about leadership, personal growth, and helping you grow in your walk with God. Our goal is simply to help you lead like never before in your church, business, home, or whatever platform God has given you. Our next Leeds Club session begins now. There's a story that I want to share with you that I literally have been sharing before many of you were born. I've been sharing this story before many of you were born. It's the story of the bricklayer. There was a story about a bricklayer who tried to move about 500 pounds of bricks from the top of a four-story building to the sidewalk below. The problem was he tried to do it alone. This is in his own words. It was actually taken from the insurance claim form. He said it would have taken too long to carry the bricks down by hand, so I decided to put them in a barrel and lower them by a pulley which I had fastened to the top of the building. After tying the rope securely at the ground level, I then went up to the top of the building. I fastened the rope around the barrel, loaded it with bricks, and swung it over the sidewalk for the descent. Then I went down to the sidewalk and untied the rope, holding it securely to guide the barrel down slowly. But since I weigh only 140 pounds and the barrel weighed 500 pounds, it jerked me from the ground so fast that I didn't have time to think of letting go of the rope. As I passed between the second and third floors, I met the barrel coming down. This accounts for the bruises and lacerations on my upper body. I held tightly to the rope until I reached the top where my hand became jammed in the pulley. This accounts for my broken thumb. At that time, however, the barrel hit the sidewalk with a bang, and the bottom fell out. With the weight of the bricks gone, the barrel weighed only about 40 pounds. Thus, my 140-pound body began a swift descent, and I met the empty barrel coming up. This accounts for my broken ankle. Slowed only slightly, I continued the descent and landed on the pile of bricks. This accounts for my sprained back and broken collarbone. At this point, I lost my presence of mind completely, and I let go of the rope, and the empty barrel came crashing down on me. This accounts for my head injuries. As for the last question on the insurance form, what would you do if the same situation rose again? Please be advised. (laughs) I am finished trying to do the job alone. I am finished trying to do the job alone. Michael Jordan said talent wins games, but teamwork wins championships. Talent wins games, but teamwork wins championships. John Wooden, what a coach, John Wooden. Literally, over a 
12-year period, he won 10 NCAA championships. Can you admit, he won 88 consecutive games. Talking about a coach, 12-year span, he won 10 NCAA championships. There'll never be another John Wooden. John Wooden said these words. He said, the man who scores the basket has 10 hands. The man who scores the basket has 10 hands. I on a regular basis say to my staff, a quote by Henry Ford, I say coming together is the beginning. Staying together is progress. Henry Ford said coming together is the beginning. Staying together is progress. Staying together is a team as a team is progression. Coming together is the beginning. Staying together is progress. Working together is success. Working together is success. Two guys go fishing and one of them hooks a massive fish. The fish pulls him over out of the boat into the water and he's crying out to his friend, help me, help me, help me. He's trying to help him and he reaches down to grab him by the arm and his artificial arm comes off. <laughs> and he reaches down to grab him by the leg and his wooden leg comes off. He thinks, my goodness, I'm going to have to grab him by the hair of the head. And he reaches and grabs him by the hair of the head and his toupee comes off. And finally he looks at him and he says, for me to help you, you're going to have to stick together. For me to help you, you're going to have to stick together. I want you to know something, folks. To accomplish anything of any significance, it's going to take a team, and you're going to have to stick together. To accomplish anything of any significance, it's going to have to take a team, and you're going to have to stick together. It was a great day in my life when I realized those closest to the leader will determine the success of the leader. Those closest to the leader will determine the success of the leader. It was a great day in my life when I realized that I can't do anymore. All I'm doing, I'm doing. And if I'm going to accomplish anymore, I'm going to have to accomplish it through people. If I'm going to be able to accomplish any more in my ministry, in my church, in my life, I'm going to have to pour into and accomplish it through people. Patrick Linsoni has written a great book. The book is entitled, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. The five dysfunctions of a team. Not functions, but dysfunctions of a team. And Patrick Linsoni said, there are five things that are dysfunctional in a team. He said the first thing that's dysfunctional in a team is absence of trust. Absence of trust. Now, now listen to me very closely. That seems minor, but I want you to understand something. Trust in an organization will speed an organization up 
are slow an organization down. Speed an organization up or it will slow an organization down. How, how, how do we build trust? How, how, how do we build trust? I believe we build trust just by being transparent. Something's wrong, folks, when, when the leader, there, something's wrong when we can never say we were wrong. Something's wrong when we can never say I'm sorry. Something's wrong when we can never say that was my fault. I made a mistake. What, what builds trust is just being transparent. I love what Craig Groeschel said. He said, people would rather follow a leader who's always real than one who's always right. They'd rather follow a leader who's always real than one who's always right. Who said the leader had to always be right anyway? So one of the dysfunctions is absence of trust. The, the, the second dysfunction of a, of, of, of a team is fear of conflict. Fear of conflict because here's the, here's the reality. We, we don't deal with problems because we fear conflict. I, I love what Les Parrott said. This is a great quote. Les Parrott said, conflict is the only way to intimacy. Conflict is the only way to intimacy. He went on to say, if conflict is not handled as it arises, its energy goes elsewhere. Unaired conflict goes into parking lots or behind closed doors. It becomes malicious and results in artificial harmony, not deep community. What, what, what is a dysfunction? It's when we have absence of trust. It's when we have fear of conflict. Let me give you the third one he talked about in his book. Avoidance of accountability. Avoidance of accountability. If a person's not accountable, if a person's not accountable, that will tend to lead toward a poor performance. Pastor Benny, where do you get accountability? Well, I, I get it right out of the Bible. By the way, the greatest leader ever to live was none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And in Luke chapter 10, verses 1 and 2, you know the scripture, you're theologians. Luke chapter 10, verses 1 and 2, you know the story. He sent the disciples out. He, he sent them out two by two. He sent them out two by two to do ministry, uh, to go out and, and, and do the work. But if you read the scripture in Luke chapter 10, verse 17, he, he sent them out two by two, but they came back and they were accountable to him. Folks, we, we get in trouble when we don't have accountability in our lives. We, we get in trouble when we don't have accountability in our lives. That's why we need to be count, accountable one to another. Somebody said, Pastor Benny, how do, what do you feel about people working from home? And I know sometimes that's the issue. I know sometimes that's the best. But I've never had anybody who has been real good explaining to me how you build a culture working from home. If you'll explain to me how do you build a strong culture in your organization working from home, and how do you build strong accountability if you're always working as an individual? Number four in his book, 
He talked about inattention, inattention to results. Because folks, see, if we can't measure it, you can't manage it. <laughs> I, I don't want, there has to be a scoreboard. You say, well, we're just, we're just normally not into this counting thing. I remember years ago, I was talking, I was, I was preaching, I was young, and I was talking about the importance of reaching people and that we, that we do count people. And, and uh, I was preaching a revival for a guy, and he said, uh, you can just leave that off. He said, that number stuff we're not into. Now, at Rock Springs Church, we count people because we do believe people count. He said, we're just not into that. He said, we're, we're more about spiritual growth. And so every night he would just kind of hit me with that. You know, it's not into the numbers things. We're into spiritual growth. We're just not into counting. And I preached the last night of the meeting. I knew I was leaving. You can do things on the last night you can't do on the first night. Amen. I knew I was leaving. And I finally said to him as we were standing, I said, by the way, before I slip out of here, uh, I want to ask you something. He said, sure. I said, do you all by chance count the offering? He said, what a silly question. He said, we most certainly do. I said, so you count the offering, but you don't count the people. That tells me you care more about the money than you care about the people. Now, he never invited me back, but that's okay. He never invited me back. But, but I want you to understand something. You, 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 you've got to have a scoreboard. The, how, many, how many people are we reaching for Christ? See, we're just nobodies that ought to be telling everybody about somebody that could change anybody. Somebody said, oh, pastor, our growth is all spiritual. I've got a great word for that, hogwash. You're not having spiritual growth and not having numerical growth. If you're having spiritual growth, you'll be having numerical growth because if I'm growing spiritually, I'll be wanting to tell people what Jesus has done in my life and how he's changed my life. You, 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 don't, have, you don't have spiritual growth and not have numerical growth. So you got to look at the scoreboard. Are we reaching people? Are, 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 look, are, are we making disciples out of people? Are, are we assimilating people? Are, are we assimilating people into ministry? I'm saying, ladies and gentlemen, inattention to results is a characteristic of a dysfunctional team. Let me tell you number five. Number five is a lack of commitment. A lack of commitment. God wants us to be faithful and God wants us to be fruitful. And a dysfunctional team has members that have a lack of commitment. Uh, let, let, me, let me say this about this and, and then I won't, I won't camp there long. Leading the same church now for 33 years, this is, this is what I've learned. When you have a team and our team, we don't, here at our church, we don't have a bunch of show horses. We have a bunch of work horses. You've got to decide, I want show horses or I want work horses. I prefer just having work horses. That, that, that's what I do better with. I do better with work horses rather than show horses. But what I've learned, if you get a bunch of work horses, if you have a horse <laughs> that don't want to work, the workhorses start resenting the horse that wants to be a show horse. Now, pastors, let me help you out. 
they start out resenting that person who wants to be a show horse. But after a little while, they no longer resent that person who wants to be a show horse. They resent you because they know you have the authority to do something about it, yet you won't. I'm talking about teamwork. And how can, a, how can we build a team? I, I, literally, I've got more material than I've got time. But how can a pastor connect with his staff? I, how can you say, Pastor Benny, uh, I really want to connect with my team. I, I want to connect with my team. I, I want to have this uh, synergy and energy. How, how can I connect with my team. Well, uh, Matthew chapter 6, many times we refer to Matthew chapter 6 as the Lord's Prayer, but we all know that's not the Lord's Prayer. The, the Lord was teaching us how to pray. He was teaching us how to pray. It can't be the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our debts. I mean, come on, get real. He was the sinless Son of God. He certainly would not be praying that prayer, amen? That's, that's our prayer. But we do get to read His prayer if we read John chapter 17. If you, wanna, if you really want to read the Lord's Prayer, you read John chapter 17. And I was just researching John chapter 17, and I noticed in John chapter 17 how he connected with his disciples. There's four or five things I want you to see. First of all, I want you to see, they must see your walk with Christ. They must see your walk with Christ. John chapter 17, verse 8. John chapter 17, it says, He says, For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. Get, even, even in Luke chapter 11, what we refer to is the Lord's Prayer, they saw him praying and then they said, teach us how to pray. They, they, they saw him praying. The, the greatest leadership principle I've ever learned is monkey see, monkey do. Monkey see, monkey do. Because you don't teach what you don't know and you don't lead where you don't go. See, see, see understand something. Talent. Talent is a gift, but character is a choice. And your team, your team must know that you are growing personally and you are growing professionally. They've got to know that you as a leader, that, that look here, that, they, when they hear you preach, they, they've got to know that you're not placing your hand on a sermon that you've preached 10 times and saying to that sermon, you must be born again. They can pick up when all you do is change the title. They want to know that you're growing in your relationship. Because look here, look, leader, look here. You're the leader, you're the leader. The team's here. The team don't grow around the leader. The team grows under the leader. And if the leader is growing, the team is growing. Amen? 
no, 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 pastor, they, they can pick up, they're, they're smarter than you think. They, they can, they're smarter, they're watching you closely. They're, uh, they're, they're seeing what comes out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speak of. They're, 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 they're looking to see if you're studying, if you're digging, if you're growing, if you're progressing. Or if it, see, some men say to me, well, I want you to know something, Pastor Benny. I've got 40 years of experience. And I spend a little time with them. They don't have 40 years of experience. They've got one year of experience 40 times. They're, they're, they're not growing. They're not developing. They're not a lifelong learner. Let, let me tell you the second thing. Number two, if you want to connect with them, let them hear how much you appreciate them. Let them hear how much you appreciate them. You say, Pastor, where, where do you get that? Well, I get it from this prayer. Look what verse 10 says. And all mine are thine, and thine are mine. And look what he said. And I am glorified in them. What was he saying? He was saying, I am, they have brought me glory. They have brought me glory. What was he doing? He was letting them hear how much he appreciated them. I love what Simon Sinek said. Simon Sinek said, the leader who gets the most out of their people are those who care most about their people. The leader who gets the most out of their people <laughs> are those who care most about their people. See, 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 Pastor, here's what I'm saying. You've got to want more for your people than you want from your people. And many leaders just want something from their team, but they don't want anything for their team. You say, well, Pastor, I'm in a situation, I'm not able right now to give raises, but you are able to give praises. You may not be able to give raises, but you may be able to give praises. And you know, this is what I've learned. If you brag on your team, it will get back to them. If you brag on your team, it will get back to them. Let them hear how much you appreciate them. Uh, number three, there's a third thing he did. Let them know you have their backs. Let them know you have their backs. It's in verse 12. Look what he said. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that gave us me have I kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition, Judas, that the scripture might be fulfilled. He said, God, you, you, you gave them to me, and I kept them. What, what's he saying? I had their backs. I was loyal to them. I represented them well. I represent them. Your attitudes, I'm going to represent them well to the church board. I'm going to represent them well to the church. I'm going to stand up for them. I'm going to have their backs. It's called loyalty. It's called loyalty. Number four, let them win too. Let them win too. It's verse eight. Look what it says. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me. Let them win too. Give them opportunities. Give them responsibilities. Give them rewards. Pay them just as 
good as you possibly can. <coughs> pay them as good as you possibly can. I, I believe if you pay well, you get leaders. Yeah. Listen, I, I, can, I, can I be honest with you? This is what I've learned. If you pay them well, if you pay your staff well, they don't feel led to leave as often. Look here, if you, if you pay them well, pay good, most of the time you get leaders. If you pay peanuts, probably gonna end up with a bunch of monkeys. Hey Amen? I'm just saying, folks, just, 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 just let them win too. I, I listen, I always try to, I may, I may drop the ball some, but I always try to do something for a staff member's birthday. I always try to do something for the anniversary. I try to bless them throughout the year. Let them win too. The, the Super Bowl Sunday, the Super Bowl Sunday, uh, I don't know if you realize this, but in 2002, the New England Patriots were playing the Los Angeles Rams in the Super Bowl. And the, 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 the Los Angeles, the Los Angeles, they were St. Louis Rams, excuse me, that dates me. Because before they were St. Louis Rams, they were the Los Angeles Rams, that dates me. But the St. Louis Rams were, were heavy favorites. And they said, now, we, they said to both teams, before the game, we're going to introduce the teams. And the New England Patriots said, no, no. You can introduce the St. Louis Rams, the individual starting lineup, but don't introduce us. Just introduce us as the New England Patriots because all 53 of us are going to walk on the field at the same time. And all we want you to say is this is the New England Patriots because whether we win or whether we lose, we're going to do it as a team. And even though they were big underdogs, <laughs> they won that Super Bowl 20 to 7. 20 to 17, excuse me. Here's all I'm trying to say, Pastor. Let them win too. Let them win too. And I believe if you will do those things, you will connect. You will connect with your team. Now I want to talk to you about something else. I want to talk to you about nine things that every lead pastor wants from their team. Nine things that every lead pastor wants from their team. Now look, I'm just trying to load your wagon today. I'm trying to load you down. You say, Pastor, this is a little long. Well, I don't have a lot of time, and I'm trying to maximize your time. But I want to talk to you about nine things every pastor, every leader wants from their team. Now look, your leader may not ever say these things. He, he, he or she may never feel comfortable. But I can assure you, every leader wants these nine things from their team. Number one, they want you to be an owner and not a member. <laughs> they want you to be an owner and not a member. I want you to know something, folks. There's a big difference in owning something and renting something. There's a big difference in owning a car and renting a car. There's a big difference in owning a house and renting a house. 
And I'll tell you what I want for every one of my staff members. I want them to be an owner and not a member. See, 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 I want them to, I, I, I want Rock Springs Church, I want them to own it. I, 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 I don't want it to be just a place that they work. I want this to be a place that they own. I want this to be a place that they care about. I want this to be a place that they love. I want it to be, no, no, I, I, I'm not just a member. I'm not just a member. I am an owner. And every senior leader wants their team to be an owner and not just a member. Let me tell you the second thing that every leader wants. They want you, they want you to steward the budget as if it were your own. They want you to steward the budget as if it were your own. We need to say this is God's money and we need to manage it well. We need to maximize the resources that God has given us. See, manage, ma manage the church's money better than you would your own. Manage, what, what I want for my staff members, manage the church's money better than you would your own. Look, look here, folks. Somebody says, this guy's really generous. Okay, explain to me how he's really generous. Well, he's, he's always taking me out for meals and doing this and doing But wait. Really generous is not doing something always on the organization's bill. Really generous is when you're willing to reach for your wallet. See, I mean, you guys, I don't mean it the wrong way. I don't have a lot of confidence in somebody's hand that will go up here that won't go back here. I, no, I, I, if, if your hand will do this, but your hand's not willing to reach back here, you say, well, but man, he said, no, 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 no. Here, here, here's what I'm trying to say for us. I'm trying, I'll tell you what your senior leader wants you to do. They want you to steward that budget just like you would your own income. They want you to make decisions just like you would if it was your own money. And we ought to look at it more delicately because it's the Lord's money. There's a third thing your senior leader wants. They want honor, not worship. Your senior leader wants to be honored. He doesn't want to be worshiped. And, and by the way, this is biblical. You know, the Bible teaches us in 1 Timothy 5 and 17 that the elders that rule well are worthy of double honor. You, 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 you know the Bible. Saul had many opportunities. David had many opportunities to kill Saul. And they said, well, David, why don't, you, why don't you take him out? His heart's not right. He said, no, no, no. He's the anointed of God. And the Bible says in Psalms 105, verse 15, touch not my anointed and do my prophets no harm. Let me, let me, let me tell you what your senior leader, he's not wanting you to worship him. If he does, he needs therapy. <laughs> he's not wanting that. But he does want to be honored. He does want to be honored because he is the man of God. Um, 
And there's so many, uh, uh, team, there's so many ways you can do that. You know, uh, I'm still one of those pastors that believes that people don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. I'm still one of those pastors that believe that, shep- that, that shepherds ought to smell like sheep. That God didn't call us to be CEOs, he called us to be pastors. You want to impact people, pastor people. You say, oh, but Brother Benny, you don't understand my message Sunday. I wish you could have heard it. Well, they've already forgotten it. Yeah, what you think, they're just holding on to every word. No, they've forgotten. Because they don't remember what you say, they remember what you do. But I'm still one of those pastors that goes to the hospital, and I have a pastor that's been with me. He's been with me 24 years. His name's Cameron Shiflett, and he served on my staff all these years. And he served in every position. And today, while you're here, if you, you sure want to get with Cameron Shiflett. But you know, Cameron and I, many times, will, I, I, I noticed this. We, all, for 24 years, he's been going with me. He came with me when he was a little boy. And we would go to hospitals. And no matter where we're at, when we're getting close to the hospital door of the patient, he always backs up. We've never had a conversation about this. But I know his mindset. They need to see Brother Benny first. They need to see our pastor first. Our most mileage is going to be if our pastor walks through the door. And I'm willing to decrease so that he might increase. It didn't cost him anything, but it was a way of saying, I honor my pastor. I honor my pastor. You're, listen, your pastor's not an egomaniac. He, he doesn't want worship, but he does want to be honored. And he's worthy of double honor according to what God's word says. Let me, let me tell you the fourth thing I see. See what your pastor sees. <laughs> See what your pastor sees. You say, Brother Benny, what what are you talking about? Seeing what your pastor sees. Well, here's here's what I'm trying to say. What drives your pastor nuts? What drives your pastor nuts? See what your pastor sees. You you know, if, if you worked here with me, you know what you would know? If you leave the lights on in a facility and you just leave... When Benny Tate comes, that's going to drive him crazy. And when you leave the air conditioning running and the, nobody's going to be in the building for three days, and you're wondering why you're not getting a raise, that drives Pastor Benny crazy. When I look and I see markings on walls and stuff not neat and n- nice and presentable that drives Benny Tate crazy one day we was having staff meeting and years ago and I I said staff members let's get up from the table I want you to follow me I said they said pastor we'll be following you I said just follow me and we walk outside and I walk up here to the main entrance and I said uh, I'm sure all of you came in this place today you drove right through here did you, you drove through here. You drove through here. Yeah, I drove through here. I, oh, God, you drove through here. I said, look right here. Look here. Here's an empty Diet Mountain Dew bottle. And every one of you drove by it. 
It's a piece of trash. Every one of you drove by it. Not, you didn't bother. This was years ago. Not the team I've got now. I said, every, every one of you, every one of you drove by it. And then I picked it up and I said, oh, inside of it was a $100 bill. And I was going to give it to the one of you who picked it up. But nobody bothered to pick it up. And now there's no empty bottles on our campus. <laughs> all, all, all I'm trying to say is see what your pastor sees. Uh, uh, number five, speak your pastor's language. Language shapes behavior, and behavior shapes culture. Language shapes behavior. Behavior shapes your culture. Learn to speak your pastor's language. Uh, what, what, pastor, what would be your language? Care. Care. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you have love one for another. Care. You, 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 you want to you wanna build a church? Build your church around caring for people. Build your church around caring for people. That's sustainable. So, so you know his language is, is care. You know his language is excellence. His language is the Lord deserves our best. The Lord deserves our best. His language is care. His language is excellence. I don't know what your pastor's language is, but I know he's got a language. And I know it's important that you speak your pastor's language. Number six, develop your skills to do a better job. Develop your skills to do a better job. Look, we get in trouble we get in trouble when the organization outgrows us. Many times I've had to deal with this. The organization's growing. And I've got somebody. I work hard to try to train them. I want to train them up. Sometimes I can transition them, transition them. If your organization's large enough, if you can't, if you can't get them trained, you try to transition them. But if you train, you can't train and you can't transition, you have no other, you have no other decision, you have to trade them. If you can't train, if you can't transition, you have to trade them. See, we don't need to be know-it-alls, but we need to be learn-it-alls. We, we, William Churchill said, the price of greatness is responsibility. Charles Tremendous Jones said, you tell me what you're reading and who you're associating with, 
and I'll tell you where you'll be five years from now. What I'm trying to say, get this. You've got to develop your skills to do a better job. What, what is your leader central? What, what does your senior leader want? He want you, wants you to be developing your skills to do a better job. Because if that organization is growing, it won't be long. That organization will outgrow you. That's why you need to be coming to things like today. Or you need to be going to people that are in the same arena that, are you, that you're in that you can grow from and you can learn from because what are you doing? You're developing your skills. Number seven, let me tell you the seventh thing that your leader wants. Never violate trust. Never violate trust. John Maxwell said the number one quality in a staff person is loyalty. And all I want to say, friend, look here. If you can't be loyal to the leader that you're serving under, it's obvious that's not the place for you. You need to find the place and find the leader that you can be loyal to because God's blessing's not going to be on you if you're disloyal to the senior leader. I remember years ago, I'm just telling you, I remember years ago, I'll tell you a story. I never, I never got over the story. There were some guys that was really dogging me real hard right out there in that foyer. <laughs> Can you imagine that? I mean, they, they were just really ripping me up one side and down the other. I mean, I've never been, I've never been swallowed by a whale, <laughs> but I've been nibbled to death by crappies. Yeah. And they were just ripping me up one side down the other. And I had two staff members standing there who did nothing. And the two staff members just walked off. And I later confronted them. And they must have thought I was dumb. Because they said, Pastor, when we heard it, we got so upset. We couldn't say anything. We just walked away. I said, you come up real close. You said volumes. You said volumes when you walked away. You said, I have no problem with you talking about our leader. I have no problem with you talking about our senior pastor. I have no problem standing right here and listening to it. You listen to me very closely. I'll tell you what your senior leader wants. Your senior leader wants loyalty. Never violate trust. Number eight, allow your pastor to be your pastor more than your boss. <laughs> you say, help me out on that. I sure will. Uh, serve in such a manner that your pastor never has to have that awkward conversation with you. Serve in such a manner that that pastor never has to have an awkward conversation with you. What do you mean? I'm talking about just do your job. If you are willing to do more than you are paid to do, 
eventually you will be paid <laughs> to do more than you do. Just be willing to do your job. <laughs> Listen, so I, I, I'm late a lot. Well, you're going to create an awkward conversation. I, I miss a lot of work. You're going to create an awkward conversation. Just, just, just do those things that never allow him or her to have to become your boss. Let him be your pastor. Because let me tell you something. Most pastors really don't want to be your boss. They just want to pastor, and they just want you to do your job. They, they just want you to do your job. They really just want to pastor. They're not, they're not wanting to have awkward conversations. They just want you to do your job. You say, well, I don't know if it's okay for me to do this or not. Well, here's the thought. If you don't know if it's okay to do it, don't do it. Don't make him have that awkward conversation and say, we don't allow that here. We don't do that here. Just don't do it. Lastly, remember your pastor needs grace too. Remember your pastor Needs grace too. The best of men are men at best. <laughs> and, and I'm going to say this. I'm going to really be transparent. Because I've got pastors here. I've heard leaders say, well, if you're lonely, it's your fault. Because you didn't take somebody, people to the top with you. That sounds good, but it's just not true. Because I want you to understand something. There's a price for being the leader. And it can be the loneliest job in the world. It can be the loneliest job in the world. See, see, look. Pastors, I want you to understand something. You can delegate tasks, but you can't delegate the responsibility. And you never get outside the responsibility. You really never get a vacation. You just change scenery. Because wherever you go, you've still got the responsibility. And I would say to staff members, Remember, your pastor needs grace too because he's responsible. The organization rests upon his shoulders. We need one another. The farmer hooked his mule up. He hooked it up to a two-horse plow. He hooked that old mule up and put blinders on that mule hooked it up to that two-horse plow. And then he said, get up, Satchel. Get up, Reuben. Get up, Beauregard. Get up, Betty Lou. And his neighbor said, wait, friend. How many names does that mule have? He said, oh, just one. Just one. It's Pete. It's Pete. He said, oh, yeah. But he gets a whole lot more done when he thinks he's a part of a team. 
And folks, you'll get a whole lot more done when you realize you're a part of a team. One of my heroes is a man named Charles Plum. He was a Navy jet pilot in Vietnam. 75 combat missions in Vietnam. Charles Plum eventually retired. He was sitting in a restaurant one night and a guy walked by and said, are you, are you, are you the pilot, the jet pilot, hero pilot, Charles Plum? He said, yes, I am. He said, well, sir, how do you know me? And he said, well, when you was serving, when you were serving, I was a private. He said, did you fly? And he named a certain uh, air, air excursion, combat excursion. He said, you flew that one, didn't you, Plum? Plum said, oh, yes, I did. He said, I remember that one. He said, because that was the only one I was ever shot down in. He said, why do you know that excursion? Why do you know that number excursion? He said, well, you got to understand something, Pilot Plum. I packed your parachute. And Plum looked at him and said, I thank you. It's obvious you did a good job because I'm here. And then Plum said, I wonder how many times I've walked by that private and never acknowledged him. I wonder how many rooms I've been in and I paid no attention. I gave him no eye contact, no appreciation for what he was doing. And he was packing my parachute. You know what I've learned about ministry? There's a whole lot of people packing our parachutes. There's a whole lot of people packing our parachutes. And, and if we're ever going to accomplish anything of any magnitude, we desperately need one another. 1969, Neil Armstrong did something. He stepped on the moon. Boy, it was amazing. He stepped on the moon. You know what, I, you, know what you may not know? 218,000 people work, were working behind the scenes for one man to step on the moon. One is too small a number to multiply. And we won't accomplish anything without a team. Thank you for joining us for today's Leeds Club session. We hope you feel encouraged and empowered. If you would like more information or resources about leadership, be sure and connect with me at bennytate.info or follow me on social media at Pastor Benny Tate. Join us next week for more insights on leadership, personal growth, and encouragement in your walk with God to help you lead at the next level.